we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we are coming to you from a galaxy far, far away. And if you have no clue what that reference means, then wow, you shouldn't be listening to this show. No, they should, because this would be a prime place for proper education. Okay, fair enough. We'll we'll forgive you. We'll still love you. We'll educate you. And... Come with us, young Padawans, and learn the ways of the Force. Yes, we uh, we will. Since uh, May 4th was just around the corner, we didn't do a special episode that day. We're Because we've decided we're going to talk about Star Wars. Why we love it, why we hate it, why we are intrigued by it, why we're obsessed by it. Why my entire TV family room is covered in Star Wars paraphernalia. I do have many lightsabers hanging on the walls and posters and helmets and all sorts of things. I probably have more Star Wars stuff than Transformer stuff. But hey, that's me. Can Uh, verify. Yes. Yes. His TV room. His TV room looks like an intergalactic safari trophy room. You know? Kind of does, actually. I do have it does. Uh, it's so, on the wall. They are, ooh, I should put them on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Versus the pile on the coffee table? No, the I have them on the, the, around the entertainment center, around the 65-inch television. Um, it wasn't the just wall. the men. It was all no. the women and the children, too. <laughs> 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 nice Tuscan Raider reference there. Oh, we, from, we'll get there. We'll get so, there. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, <laughs> where do we begin? Where do we start with Star Wars? Um, Dan, Dan yes. when? What is your earliest memory of Star Wars? When? How old were you? And when? And how did you see your first Star Wars? Anything? So technically, I've been to every Star Wars movie in the theater. Granted, in 77, I was very young. <laughs> uh, yes. So my fir- and this is probably why it's my favorite. Uh, my first recollection uh, is watching Empire Strikes Back, sitting on my uncle's shoulders, mesmerized by what was going on on the big screen. You know, he would just lift up the bucket of popcorn. I would dig my hands in and I would just continue. I would just eat completely enthralled which would which is uh, with what was unfolding on the screen you know the snow troopers i love snow troopers i i don't know why yeah i love their costume they come barging in they throw up the e-web blaster um the whole battle scene in hoth amazing i loved it you know the snow speeders zipping around the imperial walkers uh luke scaling up and slashing it with his lightsaber and throwing uh i'm i'm assuming thermal detonators up in there and it comes crashing down it was just it was beautiful it was amazing and then there is the moment in cloud city where he is fighting darth vader who cares about the weird creepy green guy uh it's just on some planet and he's a hermit yeah he's okay but that scene on bespin (laughs) You know, and you have Boba Fett and you have this amazing uh, moment with Han and Leia where she's like, I love you. And he's like, I know. A surprise Ugh. to be sure, you know? but a welcome one. And, and yeah. that, that was that was an amazing scene. And then them trying to escape Bespin and 3PO was quiet for a while. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and then you have the ultimate culmination of the whole movie where Vader says his thing, you know. I am your father. And Luke's just like, no, man. Which has a great behind the scenes story, of course. Does. Yeah. But that in itself, I, w- I was in, I-, I was hooked. I loved it. Uh, Return of the Jedi was great, but uh, not, it just seems like Empire. Empire is my ultimate favorite movie out of the, out of all of them. And I think a lot of that has to do with, that's the first movie I saw. I saw. Yes. I, I'm sure I saw most of New Hope, but I was so young. Um, probably what about you, Krebs? Uh, I know I've mentioned it before, but the first movie I remember seeing in theaters that that I personally recall seeing in theaters was Return of the Jedi. And I had very much the same experience with Return of the Jedi that you had with Empire. In fact, I did not appreciate 
the the fullness and the beauty of empire until i was older and more mature and i had the ability to appreciate it but my first star wars movie of recollection is return of the jedi and that just set the tone for all star wars experiences for me i liked a new hope but return of the jedi was a more polished product naturally it was six years down the road technology had advanced george lucas and his techniques had advanced a different director had made the film he uh, george lucas wrote it you know that sort of thing right um and the We'd same thing be... past the holiday special oh yeah we we had somehow somehow pushed past you know the hey hey b arthur was awesome in that <laughs> as a wookie uh no I, <laughs> uh but i remember being in theaters and um Jabba the Hutt, his palace, and the Rancor stand out in my mind. Oh, yeah. Um, Luke on the sand skiff walking out onto the plank over the Sarlacc and him doing the two-finger, you know, uh, I brow salute to R2-D2, who then prepares the lightsaber. Luke jumps off, turns around, uses his hands to fling himself back up in the air, catches the lightsaber, and then goes to work. Um all of that is just so phenomenal. Uh, and then and then we we leave Tatooine. We go back to Yoda and we see the passing of a great Jedi. Um, you know, it's weird because my first recollection of, of, of watching a Star Wars movie in theaters is Return of the Jedi. But I knew the characters and the mythos going in. So I obviously was exposed to it as a kid at home. Yeah. And I had the toys. I lived at a time. Uh, we all did, but uh, I lived at a time in the 80s when going to garage sales was the best way to pick up secondhand toys. Oh, yeah. And and uh, where I lived in uh, near, not quite in, but near Monterey, California, uh, there was an uh, there was a military base there called Fort Ord, and there was a place near there. There was a school called La Mesa, and La Mesa. Every time they had, you know, it's a military base. They have families that move in and move out, and so once a month they would have a massive moving in, moving out sale um, where uh, all the families would just set. It was like a bazaar. It was like a flea market Mm. and best, best deals on Star Wars toys. And so I was just, my room was replete with Star Wars. And so that was, that was my first exposure. And then we can, we can talk about what comes after that, uh, the Ewok specials and, and things like that, but (laughs) we'll, we'll we'll get there, but return of the Jedi um, and as much as people hated the Ewoks, I was a child when I saw them, and I love the Ewoks. Yeah. Uh, I love there. There is nothing in Return of the Jedi that I hate. Nothing. Everything about Return of the Jedi is wonderful to me. You know, you, you mentioned the Rancor, so I have a, the Imperial Assault game, and I had to get the Jabba's Realm expansion because it comes with a freaking Rancor. I mean, yeah. yes, how can it does. you not want one? That that. I, would, just, I yeah. had the original toy that had like the trigger on the back spine oh, yeah. that made the jaw yeah. actuate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it was the same body mold that they used for Gremlin toy for for the toys from Gremlins. Yeah. Yep. If I could say that. Um, and when I was when I was GMing many many years later, when I was GMing uh, the Star Wars campaign for the D twenty system, uh, I bought a Rancor miniature from the uh, tactical miniature slash card game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. The Rancor. Rancor is my bro, man. Yeah, uh, they're amazing. Hey, not only that, um, yeah, I mean, like I had the the Tauntauns, you know, the ones that had the little thing where you pushed them in and it went down. And then you, I also had the other one that had the belly split open so you could slide yep. your guy in. I also had both Tauntauns. I was just thinking yeah. that. I was like, I've got the one that you ride and the one that you that you live in. Yeah. <laughs> the one yep. you ride and the one you hide. Yeah, and then I had the I had the exploding speeder bike that yes. had the little button on the back where you hit it and it just blast of part yeah but, I, but hang on before, before we go too yes. far down memory lane alton, we gotta go alton, to alton what is your first memory of star wars okay so viewers who never get to see our faces and never get to uh you know really do diligent facebook stalking or anything like that wouldn't know this but i i am the youngest person on the podcast by a fairly substantial lead um I'm not going to say that you two are old, but uh, if dust had a color, it would be roughly yours. This is so, truth. <laughs> um, hey, so hey, my, I am the same age as Star Wars. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> so my my first experience with Star Wars is very very different from your guys's. Um, so uh, my my parents divorced before I was born, and they both remarried. My father when I was three, my mother when I was four. 
Um, and I grew up living with my mother for the most of the time and we were well below the poverty line. Um, but when, uh, she and, uh, her husband, my, my stepdad now, um, got married, they decided that they wanted to honeymoon at Disneyland and they brought me with them. And so my first exposure to star Wars was star tours. Um, and I distinctly remember it and I distinctly remember asking to just write it over and over and over again. Um, and, and it stuck with me. And like, I, I didn't have the frame of reference to understand what this was in the middle of everything, but I still distinctly remember the feeling. And I still get even a little bit choked up now of being that little, that little kid who was in this thing that was so much bigger than him. And it was, and, and it was just so cool. And then, you know, that was, um, so that would have been, uh, 19, 1995, uh, actually 1996 spring of 1996. And so oh, then it was later man, that year really old now. Yeah, <laughs> well, the so, ride was really old by then. I yeah. know. But then, but then later that year was when the special edition stuff started to happen. Yeah. Correction. 97, 97 was the year that happened. Yeah. Because it's, that was the 20th anniversary. You have to remember though, I'm super little. So my frame of reference. In time <laughs> That's okay. Off. I'm, I'm super old. So don't worry. <laughs> I, I got your back. It was 97. I'm, I'm with you. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, but uh, but but yeah. So the the special edition started to be released, and ever since we'd gotten back from Disneyland, that was like the thing that I talked about to my parents. And so once the special edition started to happen, they took me to see it, and I, I don't remember being in the theater, but I do remember coming home, and I do remember just being like, "There's more. There's more of this," <laughs> you know, um, and then. Uh, again, because we didn't have a lot of money, like, uh, I, I didn't get a lot of merchandise or anything like that, but they did a promotion when the empire strikes back was coming out with taco bell. Um, and, and we went and the, the toy that I got was this little cube and it's a very simple illusion. There's a mirror running down the middle. And on one side you have uh, half of Yoda's face that gets reflected. And on the other, you have Darth Vader yeah, and I'd say dark side cube. Yeah. I had that I, too. I had the very same thing. I spent so much time as a kid mesmerized by that and replaying all of these adventures and all of these stories in my head. Um, and then uh, even before Return of the Jedi came out, uh, special edition, so I, I hadn't seen it yet, um, my aunt found out that I was really into Star Wars and she had a first edition copy of Splinter of the Mind's Eye mm -hmm. um, by Alan Foster. And so I read that before I saw Return of the Jedi. And at that point, like, there was no going back. And so as soon as the tapes came out on VHS, I kid you not, I burned through three copies of the special edition trilogy yes. tapes. Because yes. I just, I'm, I get worked up about this because it's like, this is such a core part of me. Um, you know, I, I was growing up in a less than an ideal situation in split families and now my parents were starting to have children and I didn't know where I fit in there, but this was a world into which I, I could escape and there was stability and there were things that were clearly on one side of the line or the other. And, and I had a place to belong. Um, sorry, this is like, Fine. Oof, that's this amazing. Is, this is like star Wars is so central to, to me and to my experience and, um yeah the first the first pg-13 movie that i saw in theaters was episode three and <laughs> i and and the first time that i ever you know went to a theater after like seven or eight p.m was the midnight showing of episode two you know and and so it's just like this was this was me this was where i lived in every spare waking moment as a as a child and well into my teens and even when i disconnected from it for a little while as I was in that awkward teen phase of trying to figure out who I was and where I was. Um, I still had friends and we'd get together during the summers and go down to home Depot with a couple of dollars and pick up bits of pipe and, you know, build lightsabers and we'd come home and get modeling clay and paint and do them all up and write scripts and tell stories. And yeah, I know I'm getting rambly at this point, but it's ah, just like, 
I've got oh, all the beautiful. warm fuzzies. I've got all the warm fuzzies. Right? Yep. And that and that's the magic of Star Wars. I, I, I realize that, you know, just like people can debate Elvis versus the Beatles, and some people are like, why not both? Uh, the same thing happens with Star Trek and Star Wars. There, there were even memes this year that I hadn't seen before of like Star Trek fans are saying happy holidays instead of happy May the 4th or, or happy Star Wars Day. You know, just something silly like that. But but there's no there's no law that says you cannot appreciate all fandoms and so like this is this is the magic of star wars as is the magic of any fandom that matters to the soul is that it it speaks to you at the deepest level and that's what makes it magical that's what makes it for you and it may not hit everybody in fact some people may hate on it and that's okay it's not speaking their language but it's speaking yours and that's what matters yeah no i mean that's exactly right um now yeah of course all of us are uh, major um uh, I, w- I would wager to say major star wars fans um Ooh. if only scott were here because scott he likes star wars but he likes star trek a little bit more, I think, which is fine. That's okay. We'll forgive him. Uh, I love both. I love both. I think I, I lean more too. on if if you could make a spectrum of Star Wars, Star Trek. I I'm definitely a fan of both, but I think I lean more to Star Wars than I do to Star Trek. But I love them both. Yeah, I can't say that. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. That's my what you my, got my, par- my parents are my parents are major Trekkies. Um, I grew up. I have seen every movie. I've seen probably all the episodes. I'm just not I don't I don't like it. It doesn't speak to me like Star Wars does. And that's okay. You know, people that love Star Trek, that is awesome. You know, like you said, it doesn't speak to everyone, but if it, those it speaks to, that's that's great. You know, we don't have to bash on it. It's just not my cup of tea. Um That's right. And that's okay. That's that's okay. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um one day we will probably have to have a Star Trek episode where we talk about that, but I don't know what I'll say on that one. But anyway, I'll, I'll get teary on that episode, I'm too. Don't you worry. Guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, you know. Today, today, Alton, we were finishing. It took us three days to get through, but we were finishing uh, Rise of Skywalker. And mm. there's that scene with Ben and Han. And every freaking time I watch that scene as a father, yep. like, it just, oh, I, you know what? It's not it, I, I get it as a father. But it's not about being a father. It's about being a son. Yeah. I, I absolutely feel for Ben in that moment. And it's, oh, it, it gets me. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it cool right now. But, <laughs> oh. Well, no, I, I want to, I mean, that scene is, is pivotal, um, I think, of the whole movie. And the reason for that, okay, he has just been, he just got his butt kicked. He almost died. He just got his gut stabbed. Yeah. yeah. He he was brought back to life. His mother died. And out of every person in the entire universe that he can picture to help him work through this puzzle, the one person he brings forth is dad. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's amazing. This is a great thing because up until this point, all you hear is I hate him. Uh, Blah, blah. I hate my dad. I hate my dad. I hate my dad. And then, that's the person he brings forth to help him get through this emotional turmoil he's feeling. I, th- I think it was beautifully done. Uh, yeah. Star Wars is great at working through, for lack of a better expression, daddy issues. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> Star Wars is fantastic for repairing the broken father. Yeah. Yep, and losing a hand. So, so yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes. So, so here's the other question then, since we're talking about Rise of Skywalker. Uh, a couple of months ago when it came out, that was one of the very first episodes I was actually on in the new new productions here, new season. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I was more critical than either of you on the film. Uh, if True. I remember correctly, I gave it a solid B minus C plus. Yep. Now, yeah. my question is, now that you've had time to digest and go back and rewatch it a couple of times on Disney plus or elsewhere, have your opinions changed? Have they evolved? Uh, Dan first, go for it. Um, not really. I, I, it's still a good, solid film. Mm-hmm. Is there problems? Yes. And the problems, I, I still feel like the problems stem from there was no cohesive story arc for this trilogy. Yeah. You know, we had three, well, originally had three separate directors working on three separate scripts with no, you know, hey, this is point A, this is point B. We need to get there. 
through these three films. Uh, you know, and you know, we've seen it. We saw it a lot, especially between uh, episode eight and nine. You know, uh, oh, what was his name? Something Trevor. Uh, no. Oh, oh, Train. Uh, no, Ryan. John- Ryan, what's his head? Right. Ryan Johnson. No, Ryan no, no, Johnson no. did um, uh, last year. Are you talking about the leaked script? Uh, yeah, whoever was working on nine. Anyways, I, I read this article. Trevor, someone or other. Yeah, Colin Trevor. I think. Oh, uh, Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow, excuse me, Trevorrow. Mm-hmm. He had Luke in the next movie, originally, but they killed him off, and he came back and said, "Whoa, no, I need Luke. He, he's in my script. You can't kill him off." I, that just—I mean—that shows that there wasn't, you know, no one was talking to each other. Everyone was running independently, um, and that you kind of feel that. And you know, I, I get it. J.J. Abrams came in to try to wrap it up, do it the best he could. I know there's lots of stories out there that Disney really put their hands in this and messed around with it because they wanted a win. Um, You know, with that said, I still think we got a good film. We got a good ending. Was it the best we could have gotten? Probably not. You know, considering, considering the things that happened. You know, we lost Carrie Fisher. Um, there was the disjointedness between the movies. Um, they suddenly had to have a villain. Um, and then, you know, originally we were having Matt Smith come in as the son of Mortis. Um, and then suddenly that was gone. Um, I I don't know. I I still feel like it was a good solid film. Do I wish we saw some, I was just saying, do I wish we got something a little bit better? Yes, but I'm I'm okay with what we got. I'm okay with the ending. Um, and I'm kind of excited to see what else comes out. But that's dependent on a couple things. And I'll turn it over to Krebs. You know, I think uh, uh, at the risk of sounding highly naive, I think my opinion of Rise of Skywalker has only warmed with time. I think that it's one of those things where um, it's sort of like the, the idea of when you get put into a new group and then there's the uh, forming, storming, norming paradigm where yeah. when you're first together, it's the honeymoon period. Then you start to see each other's flaws and you get really snippy at each other. That's the storming part. And then you normalize and you accept each other's flaws because the benefits outweigh the negatives. And I think I have gone through a similar process with rise of skywalker because when i first saw it I, I just adored it and then i started seeing flaws or i started seeing things that were not explained well but then to what daniel brought up which is like the 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 plan or lack thereof behind the skywalker uh saga conclusion that this final trilogy is evident the the fact that it was mishandled at the corporate level is absolutely glaringly obvious that aside all i can say is the force blessed jj abrams man he he took a difficult problem and when you listen to the dialogue and you watch the scenes you can see the patching on the whole that he did throughout the film well or at least at certain key points in the film um he made his predecessors work and uh, decisions or even you know maybe ryan johnson's hand was forced in a couple places but he made those decisions work and did not nullify or or at least completely invalidate what ryan johnson had done and and ryan johnson in general is is actually a solid director his star wars piece can be criticized heavily and i get that but um J.J. Abrams came in and validated not only his work, but but uh, not only Ryan Johnson's work, but J.J.'s own work in the first. He basically brought the trilogy back together as it was falling apart. And I, I have found that despite any criticisms, any criticisms one could throw at episode nine, there's almost always a way to explain why it was a good decision to to do it the way that they did. I think I don't think it's a perfect film and I don't think that. Um, things couldn't be improved, but I do think that the more I watch it, the more it warms the cockles of my heart, and I utterly, I, I, I'm, I'm becoming more adoring of that title as time moves on, and the more I watch it, absolutely, I, I think it's better with time. Mm-hmm. See, and 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 my opinion, so so my letter grade has stayed the same, um, and. I do believe, as I think I said in the episode, 
from a technical standpoint, from a production standpoint, and e even from an overall, like a high level story standpoint of needing to bring things back together in a cohesive or relatively cohesive way. I, I do think there is a lot of admirable work that got done and a lot of really Herculean effort that had to be put in to make things work the way that it did. Um, I still, if I was observing the movie of its own merits without anything else, then it would receive a higher letter grade for me. But in terms of how it fits into the trilogy and how it fits into the overarching story of star Wars, um, I still feel that it really, really suffers. Um, now that being said, okay. Um, one of the strategies that Disney has tried to take with this new trilogy is that they require a lot of heavy leaning into the uh, external content, right? Comics and small web series and graphic novels and uh, illustrated encyclopedias and novelizations. Like there is a lot of content that exists and the world building by no means um, was left to rot. Um, and so when I look at the, the state of the franchise from that perspective, um, we did lose a lot from the old EU, but starting from zero and moving forward, the content that is being created tends to be far more cohesive um, and tends to tie into itself much more effectively than a lot of the older things did. Um, even though the, the universe does feel a little bit smaller right now, I do feel that it's setting up a much better foundation for what could happen over the next decade. And so I very much agree with, with Dan's sentiment earlier that I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, speaking of which, uh, last season of the Clone Wars came out, uh, last episode of the last season of the Clone Wars came out. Yes. Um, and I am currently watching it. <laughs> my phone just went crazy on me hang on a That's second awesome. no, let's roll it back going. elton um now that being said my wife and i are watching clone wars for the first time together uh, this is actually a piece of content that i have never consumed until this point so don't go into spoiler territory or anything i'm still in season two three somewhere early oh, wow. um uh but how do you folks feel about season seven on an emotional story production level, et cetera? Mm. Without spoilers, please. Uh, so season seven, mm -hmm. um, I felt like it started out very broken. Um, it gets better, but the, the, the parts with Obi-Wan and Anakin in the very first episodes didn't feel cohesive. It kind of felt broken to me. Um, I know they were trying to allude to some things. They were trying to uh, for, fast forward time so you understood where we're at. Uh, it's towards the end, the conclusion of the Clone Wars. I really feel like this series picked up momentum when we get into the episodes with Ahsoka. Um, because, and I feel this way because we already know what happens with Anakin and, and Obi-Wan. We know where their story ends and they do tie the ser you know, season seven really well into revenge of the Sith. You know, those, those last few episodes, you know, what's going on. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, this isn't really a spoiler, but there is a moment where, Obi-Wan comes up to Anakin and says, the Chancellor has, Grievous has just attacked Coruscant. He's kidnapped the Chancellor. We have to go. We know what, exactly what that means. That is the opening of episode three. Yes. Um, so I love the fact that this season, they really gave a conclusion to the Clone Wars. And they did it in a very beautiful and fitting way, in my opinion. Um, the very last episode, marvelous just marvelous um i was really concerned I'm like how are they going to end this to to really 
have a finality of this series because you know I I I have season six. It season six was great, but it really didn't give a good ending to Clone Wars. This did. It you have a wonderful ending. Uh, Order sixty six is executed. And you have the ending it is. I don't want to spoil it. I will leave it as that is. But the ending was, in my mind, beautifully written, beautifully done, and perf- a perfect end for this series. Cool. Have you seen it yet, Josh? Actually, as enormous a Star Wars fan as I am, no. I okay. have seen I've seen an episode or two, but I haven't just sat down and gone through the entire show. I, I feel like I've really missed out on it. Um, and I missed it when it was new for a few different reasons, but now with Disney plus and all that jazz, not an endorsement. Um, it, I have no reason not to watch the entire thing. So I think I'm, I'm going to play catch up. I've been playing catch up with a lot of shows right now, but, um, Playing catch up on Clone Wars is something I would love to do. Also, Star Wars Rebels. I've heard really good things about that show. I've watched a few episodes and it definitely feels a tad more juvenile than what I was hoping for. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I kind of felt that way about Avatar The Last Airbender for the first few episodes. And then it really picked up momentum and it picked up maturity as it went. And I adore that series with all my heart. And so I, I'm hoping that Rebels does something similar. Uh, And I'll be, as you can tell, I'll be highly forgiving. I love Star Wars. And so it's very easy for me to buy into a good storyline. So, yeah, I have not seen I have not seen Clone Wars, but I want to. So to to make sure that so you've not seen you've said you've seen like a couple of episodes of Clone Wars. Uh, Yeah, some some of the early first season stuff. Was it like consecutive or were you just like tuning in randomly? It started off consecutive, but my kids were into it and they would watch it when I was at work. And Mm. at first I was playing catch up with them and then they got way ahead of me. And I just I basically tuned it out because I didn't want to have the whole thing ruined for me. Yeah, but but I know I know some things about the story with without spoilers. I know I know things like uh, Anakin and Ahsoka. And, you know, I've seen a couple of of pinnacle uh, scenes that are later in the series and things like that. But, yeah, I. I'm mostly, mostly going in with a fairly fresh view. Yeah. Interesting. Cause, um, yeah, so I, uh, oh boy. Um, I, I saw a couple of loose episodes when I was playing at my local game store over a decade ago or about a decade ago at this point, um, that they just kind of have on the, on in the background as people were playing games. Um, but it always seemed really, really disjointed to me, partially because I wasn't watching them consecutively and I wasn't actively trying to consume them. Um, my experience is just so that, you know, and for anybody out there who hasn't seen them yet, uh, season one does feel very disjointed. It seems extremely episodic. The connective tissue between episodes is low to non-existent. Um, it feels very experimental, like they were waiting to see whether it was something that people would be interested in learning more about and seeing more of. And in season two, they start to dial it in a little bit. And I think I'm, I'm either right at the end of season two or the beginning of season three. So I can't speak too much beyond that. Um, but it is, it is something that I would encourage people to go and watch partially because it, brings Star Wars a little bit back to its roots of kind of the serialized Flash Gordon. You know, every episode comes in with a narrator uh, and uh, a statement, a thesis statement for the episode that is uh, some kind of uh, wise saying uh, or inspirational. There have been a few times where even before the episode has started, you know, I've seen that thesis statement pop up on the screen and I've had to kind of pause and take a moment to reflect upon what I've read and in some cases become very emotional. My wife and I have shared some, some really special moments even before the content of the episode itself happens. Um, but especially uh, it's a show that I could see watching with my own children. If I had them to be able to talk about kind of the, the, the morality issues at stake and, and to help expand, um, kind of the role of storytelling uh, because things can be episodic. Things can be serialized um, without being unproductive. 
mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, psychologically, right? Like there, there are many things that we can do as we create and consume media that can enrich our lives and that can help us to examine our own experience and enable us to be able to solve our problems more effectively. And, and that is one of the key pieces of Star Wars to me that I was very glad to see in uh, the Clone Wars episodes. Um, another big piece, uh, you know, we, we already talked about Star Trek earlier, but that, that was another big piece of my childhood was watching um, The Next Generation on CBS. Um, I remember in, that too. And I'd, I'd tune in every day in my grandmother's house. Um, and uh, so, so I grew up, even before I'd gotten to Star Wars, I, I'd already grown up with a lot of those ideas of sci-fi being not always necessarily idealized per se, but very future focused and very person focused talking about the types of morality that, that humanity needs to go through. And I found a lot of that same humanity so far within clone wars, because it helps to examine a lot of the motivations behind what's happening in the universe. Yes, but it's doing so through personal lenses of characters who are evolving and growing beyond what a 90 minute or 130 minute runtime would have allowed them to do. So absolutely. The, the question that I have for for Dan, seeing as how he is the resident Clone Wars expert here, it, <laughs> yay! <laughs> it, it is it is part of Star Wars canon according to Disney. Yes. Do you feel that it is worthwhile if somebody was watching Star Wars for the first time to insert it between episodes two and three, or would you consider it supplementary material or something else? If you're a true Star Wars fan, you must watch it. Oh, I mean. Um, I must watch it. Yeah. Um, if you're just a casual viewer and just want to watch the movies and not, don't want the background details, I would say it's okay to skip. If you were a true Star Wars fan and want the full experience of the Clone Wars, I think it's a must. Um, just because it answers a lot of questions between Episode 2 and 3. It really does. You see the full story arc of Anakin. Um, and, and I've said this for years uh, on several different episodes. I feel like the Anakin we get in the Clone Wars TV series is a much stronger, better character than the Anakin we see in the movies. You know, we see a whiny, angsty character in the movies. In the Clone Wars, we see a strong, powerful Jedi that is a general uh, of armies. He's a little unorthodox. He doesn't always do what he's told but he's still an amazingly strong uh, commanding officer and a character um and he cares deeply for ahsoka and, and that's another thing out of clone wars we get one of the greatest characters ever uh, in ahsoka uh she mm -hmm. is a fantastic character uh, even this last season really uh fleshes her out more and we see her again in rebels um, I really would see, love to see an Ahsoka movie, and I know there's rumors that res that she, there is going to be an Ahsoka movie, um, or maybe she's showing up in the next season of Mandalorian. I don't know. Either way, I really would love to see more of that character. I think it's a fantastic character. Um, I think Dave Filoni was a genius in coming up with her, with you know giving a Padawan to Anakin, um, and. I, it is. It really is pivotal for you to know because there's a lot of things. You know, even with Palpatine, you see a lot of things that Palpatine does to pull the strings of not only the Republic but the Jedi as well. And it's not just this weird, vague thing. You know, when we get to episode three, there are major concerns with Palpatine. Why is he still in power? Why is he pulling our strings and stuff like that? So when you see them in, in three, they have a valid reason, you know, it, and you can see why, you know, without seeing it, it's kind of nebulous and vague. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think it is a must see. I also, I'm going to throw this in there. I also feel like Star Wars Rebels is a must see as well. Yeah, that's another one that I have yet to consume. Um, but we'll get there. Yeah. So, so I do have a, a kind of a critical question for you guys. It's a three-parter. Okay. Okay. Favorite, uh, favorite character from Star Wars. Favorite scene 
from Star Wars. And that can be film or TV show, but something that people need to watch. And um, favorite bit of lore. Good mm. golly. So for me, uh, my favorite character uh, uh, is is General Kenobi, um, followed closely by Padme Amidala, interestingly enough, uh, which I'm hoping I'll get to see more of as I, as I watch more Clone Wars. But um, Kenobi for me, partially because that was the first Guardian figure to which I was exposed in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but also because he seems like an... Uh, even even in the early films, like an actually flawed character, someone who is on a journey to discover themselves, and who, despite the fact that they are uh, clearly a capable guardian, and as we see as we watch the prequels and things like that, um, very skilled in the things that he does, nevertheless has his own foibles and his own insecurities and his own things that he needs to overcome. And I feel that those types of flawed characters are much truer to the human experience, um, but they also create much more compelling stories because it allows us to see those struggles in, in a more real way. Um, my favorite piece of lore, which I think I've talked about on a previous episode as well, is uh, the lore of the, the white kyber crystal. Um, the, uh, again, the, the idea of, of rebirth and growth and the opportunity to return to the path being so central to my core that is my single favorite piece of star wars lore and i am so so glad that disney put that in um the for those of you who who aren't aware um kyber crystals uh before they pair with bond with a jedi um are not naturally colored most of the time um and so the color of your blade reflects the personality that you have. And there are three specific ways in which a blade can turn red, but generally speaking, they follow the idea that you are corrupting an otherwise pure thing. Yeah. Um, and that, that you are causing that crystal to fracture and bleed uh, as it turns to the dark side with you. And as you begin to channel that through your, your crystal, um, but white crystals do not occur naturally. They only occur in situations in which someone returns uh, a crystal from the dark side to the light side of the force through yeah, great acts they, of self-sacrifice. Yeah, when they purify it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's such a beautiful, beautiful thing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my all-time favorite scene, which I believe is the epitome, the perfect scene in all of cinema. And I know that that's subjective and it's my own opinion – the very end of Rogue One, watching <laughs> that saber light up in the hallway. It is one of the few times in my life that I have felt sincerely panicked for somebody on the screen. So, and, oh, I love it. Funny story. Funny story. So, I have seen the Star Wars movies, and you see that saber light up, and you, you see the guys just fire, open fire on Vader. And mm-hmm. I have always like, Why? Why are you so stupid? Why are you blasting on him? You know he's going to deflect those back. You know he's toast. So I went on the Void's Star Wars adventure that they have. (laughs) I get to the end. Okay. okay. I I went with Scott and a couple other people. We had fun doing that. If If you are not interested in hearing the end of the adventure... Pause right now, jump yes, forward yes, like two yes, minutes, yes, and then go and yes. do it, and then come back and listen. But you know when you pick up the blasters for the very first time? I have a huge gripe about this. Okay, You pick up the blasters because you need a blaster now. Scott goes, does this work? And pulls the trigger. <laughs> Bla- fires it off in the room, and of course, now all the alarms are blaring. It's like, what? We spend the rest of the time running for our lives. We get to this area, and you hear... And my heart starts pounding like crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh, no, no, no. And you hear this, and you see the red crimson blade. And what do I do? Like an idiot, I open fire. Like instinctually. (laughs) Because what else are you going to do? I know. No, 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 no. I know. But I'm just like, 
I'm just like, I am now the same person that I have yelled at for years in the movie. Why are you doing that? And I do it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so um, we're not going to name drop. Okay. But I do know a couple of people at the void and I got to actually help to test that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also been able to hear a lot of the things that have happened behind the scenes as they were testing it, as they were launching it at other places. And um, the, one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard was uh, they they broke a very, very expensive piece of equipment in that blaster when one gentleman was so freaked out by the situation that he chucked the gun as hard as he could because he was freaking <laughs> out and could he not come threw. to grips with what was going on. Wow. And it, and, and like it didn't shatter into a million pieces or anything, but it was broken beyond repair. They had to get a brand new custom piece of equipment Yikes. ordered wow. in. And this was Yikes. this was when they were launching it at their very first location. And oh, so geez. that it became this big question because it was in like the first month of operation. Like, are are we gonna have to like order these guns in bulk? Is this something that's gonna happen all the time? <laughs> and and fortunately it's not. Um, but they did have to add some bits to their safety spiel and inform uh their attendants on how to make sure to maintain safe distances and not be in the line of fire those are those are connected to the packs aren't they no oh they're not oh no. they're they're completely on oh, that's their right. own you're right they are separate oh Cheat man code discovered <laughs> no i do not condone throwing <laughs> pieces of equipment that cost that, more that's than like the, that, that's like there. the movie you know that's like the movie where they throw the gun at superman why? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, good to know. Okay, I don't anyway, plan on, on top. throwing so, it. So, so uh, character, lore, scene. Hmm. Okay. Um, I, I'll. I kind of wish I, I, I. These are great questions, and I wish I had t- yes. more time to prepare because, my gosh, how do you whittle it down? Um, but it's a gut reaction, so I'd like it better. Yeah. So, so you know what? Uh, and this, this comes straight from my childhood. Uh, Jedi Knight Luke has always been my hero. Uh, he is flawed, but he's still trying and he's still exploring and, and he gets angry and he dips into the dark side because we're human and we do that. Yeah. But then he recognizes the darkness in him and he chooses to fight anyway. He fights back, right? Um, he has faith in others even when it seems that there's no hope. That there's that there's no reason. I mean, he has faith in Vader. He has faith in Anakin, and Anakin at that point has been long dead in the minds of many, including Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, and spoilers, and, by the way, for a nearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm saying things that that are over thirty years old, so I ain't got tears for you. Um, but uh, but yeah, Jedi Knight Luke has always been my hero and I know, I know that's whenever you get asked who's your favorite character you always want to have like this esoteric reference or whatever no man no jedi knight luke for life that was like he's my luke skywalker you know um favorite bit of lore that one gets really tricky for me um favorite bit of lore uh you know what first. i i did <laughs> that that's not lore that's fact um the <laughs> favorite bit of lore <laughs> is uh, I love, even though it, it was a, at the time it was technically ambitious, I love the um, the Force Unleashed games, uh, mm. part one and two. Uh, and the idea there is that Sam Witwer, who is an actor I love, and, I ha- and I've had a chance to meet him in person, uh, Sam Witwer plays the secret apprentice. Vader has an apprentice that he's concealing from the emperor. This is not a spoiler. It's, it's the core part of the story. It gets revealed very quickly. Uh, and, and even though the games themselves were, had some technical flaws because they were so ambitious, they sort of shot for the stars, but then they like, you know, hit a lot of obstacles on the way. Uh, those games are still fantastic stories. They're, they're great. And, and so I think the secret apprentice whose name is, star killer right bom, and if you're bom. if you're a real star wars fan or if you've Luke's, seen the new trilogy that was, that was yeah name 
yeah, in the original script, it was Luke Starkiller, but George Lucas later felt that it was too dark and went with Skywalker instead. And so that's why there's Starkiller base in uh, The Force Awakens and there is Starkiller, The Secret Apprentice. This is just a, a bit. Of, so I, I guess ultimately the answer is the Starkiller, the Starkiller background story and lore. Mm. I love it. I love Starkiller. Yeah. And um, so let's see, we've done character, we did lore and then scene, right? Scene yeah. is what's next. Um, in terms of, in terms of favorite scene, uh, the emperor, and I might get emotional on this one. Uh, we've already talked about the, the scene between Ben and Han, and I get that. Um, and that is a cherished and true scene for me, but the scene with the emperor as he is electrocuting, electrocuting Luke Skywalker and Luke has already, uh, thrown his lightsaber away he has proverbially buried his blade he has he, he still has the power of the force he could fight back but the yeah. emperor the emperor is a master manipulator which i think is also shown very well in episode nine if you watch just the emperor scenes with ray but d despite that um the emperor is electrocuting luke and for star wars uh, it, for, for people in the real world watching star wars that was the first time we had ever seen force lightning. It had never been seen before. It had never been hinted at. It had never been mentioned. The emperor is like, he, he was just like, now young Skywalker, you will die, right? He's just like, so be it, Jedi. And then he like <laughs> goes into his, he goes into his lightning mode and we'd never seen that. It was shocking, no pun. It was, it was like, I was a kid in 1983 and I'm in the theater and I'm watching Luke Skywalker die. Mm -hmm. And I was emotionally freaking out. But then, but then his dad, his dad comes to life. The man, the Anakin that we had not seen ever, you know, who had told his son, it's too late for me now, you know, and told him to, to, to do what the emperor told him to do. Like he was selling his son out and his dad comes to life and picks up the emperor, the thing that has controlled him for decades and throws him into the reactor core, saving his only son. That yeah. was like, ah, oh, yeah. That that was so important to me. Growing up as a kid, um, my biological father was not a good man, and uh, my parents divorced before my real memory really kicked in, if you will. Like I was so young that there's just like patchwork of still images in my brain of that time but where my where my memory really comes to life is when i was living with my grandparents because my mom had had left her abusive husband and and that's where we were living it was my mom and my grandparents were all in this house together um and, and with me and my siblings I, I had older brother and sister and uh i remember being a kid and wanting so bad for my dad to be a good person and to love me that's what i wanted more than anything yeah and going to uh, Star Wars and Return of the Jedi and seeing Luke struggle very similarly. You know, he grew up with his uncle and his aunt and his dad is just a myth. Yeah. He doesn't even really know his father. Obi-Wan says, this is, this is your father's lightsaber. And he's like, you knew my father? And, <laughs> uh, and, and it goes on from there. And, and even though Anakin betrayed Obi-Wan, um, Obi-Wan initially has nothing but nice things to say about him. And that was very much my experience of, of my father when I was a little kid, because when I was so little, they were, they were protecting me from the truth of things. Yeah. And then later on, as a teenager, I had the Empire Strikes Back experience where it was revealed to me the terrible things he had done to our family, to my mom, to to other people, the terrible things he had done. And and I had I had that moment on the weather vein of that's not true. That's impossible. And and, and just that that anguish. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I wanted for years for my dad to love me. I wanted that so bad and it just wasn't going to happen. And then reflecting on Anakin sacrificing himself to save Luke, uh, that I, I, I eventually got that in my life with my stepdad, who is, I, I don't call him my stepdad. I, I'm just saying that for technical reasons, but he's my dad. He's mm -hmm. my dad. Uh, my father, my father is dead to me, right? That Anakin is dead to me. But my dad, that's the man who loves me. And that's when I got that back. And so that scene where Vader sacrifices himself so that his he can save his son, 
And then he has that moment on the Death Star where he's talking to me. He's like, let me look at you. Let me look upon you with my own eyes. And and he removes the the facade of Vader. And, and he's he's really Anakin again. And then we see that that redemption at the end of Return of the Jedi where we have the the spiritual visitation of Obi-Wan and Yoda. And the first time we ever got to see Anakin without the Vader. Yeah, that yeah. was just that was that was magic. And it took me decades to appreciate what it meant to me at my soul level. But that's that's the scene. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's a good scene. It's a really powerful scene, too. Um you know, which is only made more powerful by your emotions and retelling it. Uh, which that's the, I, I mean, had, I, just, I had to search my emotions so yeah. that I would know it was true. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that is the wonderful thing about Star Wars. Um, so, favorite character, hands down, um, is not in any of the films. Um, it is Revan. Revan is my favorite character. Uh, <gasps> Shut up! I know, I know, I know. I, 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 I know. Krebs is saying something, but he's muted. <laughs> Fan, fans of the show for the last thirteen years will know that this is true. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is why I took on the the name and the moniker. But um, no, I I really love the character. You know, here is a a Jedi that. We see fall from grace, falls to the dark side, starts a vicious war, kind of gets his mind, his memory raised, but chooses to return back to the light and redeem himself. And, and, and I like that because you know a lot of us, we have moments where we fall to the dark side, where we, we fall down, uh, we have really dark moments in our life and then we choose to you know pick ourselves up and redeem ourselves so i think that was really beautifully done with this character um you know besides the fact that he looks really cool uh (laughs) i really really fell in love with that character um and he still i i love luke i love vader vader is my all-time favorite villain hands down i mean any Above Sephiroth and all these other villains out there, Vader, hands down, every time. Because um, I don't really feel like Revan is a villain, uh, much like uh, Vader is. Um, but So that, that's my favorite character. Uh, let's see. Lore, my favorite uh, bit of lore, unfortunately, yeah, comes from the same game series, is the Mandalorian Wars. That the oh, lore yeah. of the Mandalorian Wars is beautiful. It's amazing, and it's it's been hinted at. Uh, I mean, even in this last season uh, of, of Clone Wars, it's hinted there. Uh, we see it in Star in Rebels. Uh, in Rebels, they go to Malachor Five. That's where the Mandalorian Wars ended. Um, so it's being hinted at slowly, piece by piece. We know Revan exists because the Darth Bane books are canon, and in the Darth Bane books, he finds the the holocron of Revan. Um, and that's where he gets the rule of tooth from. So Revan does exist in the universe. He just hasn't shown up yet, which I'm an- really anticipating and hoping for. Um, I've heard rumors it it's coming. I, I, I've heard rumors too. And if it doesn't go down well, we apologize viewers, but this series has probably ended by the time you've heard this message. Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, but... As far as lore, I really enjoyed learning about the Mandalorian Wars. You know, Revan, he had, the, you know, they, the Jedi didn't want to get involved. He's like, we need to get involved. We need to save everyone. He he bra- he takes off with a group of Jedi, and he starts fighting the Mandalorians. I mean, it gets so much to the point he fights Mandalore. And for those of you that don't know who Mandalore is, he is the all-time leader of the Mandalorians. And he kicks his trash. He becomes Mandalore and takes over the Mandalorians. I mean, how amazing is that? Right there. That's phenomenal. You know, the only other uh, close to Jedi I know that has done that is Darth Maul. You know, he does it during the Clone Wars. Um, Sorry, I just spoiled something for for Alton. Uh, (laughs) uh, So unfortunately, I'm steeped enough in the lore that I know a lot of the pieces. I just don't know the story. Does that make sense? So, so uh, okay, I, I, I know that that's a thing. I don't know the context in which good. that ends up good, happening. Good, good. Okay. Um, so I, I, I just 
all the things that came into play, and then they felt him and, and Malik fell to the dark side. Just mm. it's a, it's a fantastic lore. If you haven't read about it or learned about it, you really should because it's amazing. Um, I really hope they bring that fully into canon more. Uh, favorite scene uh, is from Empire Strikes Back. It is in the carbon freeze, freezing chamber yes. when Luke first fights Darth Vader. Yes. And the reason for that, you know, going back and watching that, you seeing, you see Luke doing things. But from the perspective at the very end of Jedi, where he saves his son, and looking back on Empire, where he's saying impressive, I really feel like he's like, wow, he's kind of giving some accolades to his son. Like, wow, you haven't even been trained, and look at you. But he he, he yeah. can't really say that. Like, what? I'm so proud of you, son. But he's kind <laughs> of, in a way, saying that. You know, impressive. Hmm. Obi Wan has taught you well. You know, and. He thought it was going to be a, a, a shut and close case. He was going to get him trapped, put him in carbonite, and game over. But it wasn't that way. I mean, it got to the point where he started hucking things at his son. You know, things were flying off the walls and flying at Luke till the window shattered and he got sucked out. Um, I really feel like he, he got to a point where, yes, he got angry, but at the same time, he was challenging Luke, trying to see, yeah. you know, what his potential. You know, how how awesome is my son type thing? You know, then they then they have the fight. He accidentally, you know, he chops off his hand. And I think that gives him pause. And then it's like, join me. You know, I don't want to go further. I really need you to join me. And then you see Luke just dive off the side. And it pans back up to Luke or Vader. You can't see his face. But every time I see that, I can I, I always feel like I can see inside the mask where he's just like, Oh my gosh! Please tell me you didn't just die. Like, no, you have to live. Just that utter shock of like any parent if seeing their child fall. Like, oh. Um, Sometime yeah. we're gonna have to do an episode just on this because I, I agree. oh my gosh, yeah. Like, okay, I'm gonna give my little ten second. I'm gonna limit myself to ten seconds. I okay, believe that that is a critical point in Vader's story arc where he realizes that the only way that he is actually going to defeat the Emperor is by changing himself. No, no, I, I, I like, agree. Ooh, ooh. I, I just, uh, yeah. You, no, oh, I, damn. I totally yes. agree. Um, if you read the Dr. Alpha comics and some of the other comics, it's that point that you, in the comics and in the books, you really start seeing Vader start pulling away and start planning before he was just kind of this yes my master yes my master i'll do it whatever you say um oh i'm supposed to serve under general tarkin okay i'll do that i really feel like after empire he starts planning he starts you know and it's not to uh oh hey i'm gonna be this good guy again he starts planning the destruction of the emperor you know yeah. thinking hey i can now be the master and my son will be my apprentice but in in some ways, I do feel like that's where Anna, the spark of Anakin returns. I really do. Um, so, yeah, you're right. We could talk can, about that. Can on the a three of us just run away together? I know my wife's <laughs> in the other room, but I can have my bags packed in like two minutes. It's time for I, us I, to go to Star Wars Cabin in the woods. Yeah. That or we just go to, to Galaxy's Edge for a Which day. Which I hear is very empty right now. That's we all. need yeah. to do that. I know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we, we, we get Scott coming all four of us can jump on the Falcon, uh, build a lightsaber, maybe a droid. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and then uh, Scott can tell us all the plot holes in the ride. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can help and, with that. Too. Oh yeah, I can too. Uh, yeah, Hondo, uh, Hondo, Hondo. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. It, it is. Anyways, um, yeah, I, we we have ran over time. We could continue talking about Star Wars, as you can easily tell. We have more than filled an hour. And we have so much more to tell. Uh, Star Wars is is an amazing fandom. We all three of us love it. All three of us could talk for hours, and I really think maybe we should uh, have more episodes. But but with that said, we unfortunately have to call it a wraps. Call it a day. So please tell us your thoughts, your favorite character, your favorite lore, your favorite scene. Even we'd love to talk about it on air. That's right. If you send it to us. 
email us at info at dungeoncrawlersradio.com. We will talk about it on air. And maybe we'll, you know, if you want us to even say your name, we'll say your name as well. We invite you. We challenge you uh, to do so. Uh, Join because, us. yes, yes. Uh, because you know, there's nothing more exciting, in my, my opinion, than having a listener email something in for us to talk about. Because yes, we want you to join in the conversation. Yes, it's fun to hear us and for us to talk about stuff. But there is nothing more exciting in my mind than us talking about something that comes from you. So please do so. Um, I'm rambling at this point because it's time to go to bed. It's time to go to a galaxy far, far away in my dreams. Uh, so I am going to call it, and we'll catch you next time. And remember, tell your story, whatever may come. And while we hope that you had a wonderful May 4th, remember, be epic, don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you, always.